you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. You want to spend four to six years in an institution, acquire six figures worth of debt that's going to take a lifetime to pay off because you can't find a job that pays more than $15 an hour? If so, then college is just for you. (laughs) If you're wondering if there are other options, the answer is yes. And that's what we're talking about on today's Queer Money, episode 317 with auto mechanic, attorney, and founder of the Reckoning Trade Project, Morgan Menzer. Get ready for a new windows of opportunity to open up for you. Now, on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit Gainbridge.life today. So Dave and I have talked a lot over the last several years about how maybe going to college, that traditional path of success and happiness that we're always, we've been spoon fed since before birth, may not necessarily be the logical or the best path anymore. College tuition has gotten obscenely expensive and is putting people into mountains of debt even before they start their careers. And so you have to ask yourself, is there really value in that. People aren't finding salaries that are commensurate with the cost of their tuition. And so they're taking decades and upon decades to pay off student loans. And you know now people are hoping that there's a student loan forgiveness, which may or may not happen. And if it does happen, I'm sure that the majority of people will be disappointed in how it's going to look. So we're always interested in looking for other options, right? Because education is key, but I don't know that college or university is always key. So we were super excited when we got a pitch about someone saying more LGBT people should get into trades. And we were totally on board with that. We've actually talked about that between the two of us before, but we actually haven't expressed that, I think, publicly anywhere. So uh, welcome, Morgan Menser, to the Queer Money Podcast. We're excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm really excited to talk about the trades. I love the trades, and I love talking about it. So awesome. thank you. Very cool. So let's go ahead and get started. So let's, let's set a baseline so everybody understands we're using the same vocabulary. What's a trade and what jobs are included in the trades industries? So the definition is a little bit malleable, but usually people think of trades as skilled trades where you go in and you learn a specific skill. You often do it through apprenticeship form or a vocational school. And it's a, often a job you're working with your hands we think of the industrial skilled trades as more the trades that are welders, mechanics, machinists. And then the construction trades are their own specific trades that really are around the construction industry, carpenters, insulators, electricians, plumbers, and then we have iron workers. So it's really any job where you are kind of, often it's a physical job, you learn a trade, how to fix something, how to build something, how to create something, then it's kind of within also the trade culture. There's a very strong trade culture 
labor movements in the U.S. history have obviously made huge impacts. So there's unions, there's the trades itself as folks that are working in the industry. So it's really just anything that is kind of that skilled trade where you learn how to do something where you're creating something or fixing something. Exactly. So if you're looking for a job that doesn't force you to sit into a, in a cubicle with fluorescent lights and your skin looks horrible, mm-hmm. this might be a career path you want to go down. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I really see the trades as so powerful in a lot of ways that we don't typically think about. Economic justice, absolutely. You get higher wages, you often get benefits. Many trades have union support, which is absolutely a huge benefit to ensure workplace safety to workers' rights. But it's also educational justice. And I see it in my experience as an auto mechanic, and this is my anecdotal experience, but where a lot of folks in the trades often have learning disabilities that might preclude them from succeeding in that traditional education where you take the standardized tests and you learn in that very logical, linear way. And I have found in my experience that a lot of folks that do so beautifully in the trades that can tear down an engine and rebuild it often can't sit through a standardized test because their brain just doesn't work that way. So it really avails folks of other ways to use our brains and and others really like strong attributes that are not necessarily as valued in society as you typically envision like, oh, can you solve this complex math problem on a piece of paper versus can you solve this complex math problem by building something, by reading it, by welding, by knowing the angles. So I see it as economic justice and educational justice in ways that also I love the traits because once you've really dived into the trades in one vein, you often feel this kind of boost of self-esteem. Like if I can fix a car and I understand how the electrical system works on a car, I'm interested in how does my electrical system work in my house? Mm-hmm. And it really, to me, what in my personal experience has made me able to take on things I wouldn't typically take on. That I can say, what's behind this sheetrock is a question that I feel confident in answering because I know that if I break something, I'll figure out how to fix it. And really just trusting my innate nature of being able to create, fix, understand, and get through difficult situations where it requires working with my hands. First of all, I want to say I absolutely love the fact that you talked about the different abilities and the different ways in which our brains work. Because you brought up a good point that I think that the way that our schooling system was created, it was created to pump out a certain type of individual that would go into the office, that would go into the factory, that was ready to do the repetitive task over and over and over again. And the fact that we have only built this education system that speaks to those individuals means that a lot of folks were left out of getting a good education because their brains did work differently. They learn differently. And I love that you talk about that there shouldn't be any difference, right? Not only our schooling system, but our culture should accept the fact that people and understand the fact that people logically are different 
they think differently. And because of that, there's different things that they are, they are just as valuable in doing. And maybe that's one of the things we're going to get to the point, the value that the individual and the, in the individuals in the trades provide to society today. Maybe we need to turn this on its head that there are a lot of folks who may look down on someone in the trades. They, they have a certain societal stigma to individuals who work in the trade, but we're going to cast some of that aside, I hope, in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of bias, a lot of classism that goes with the trades and perceiving folks that are in the trades as not as educated or you know, deficient because they chose not to go through traditional avenues of education when really, you know, it's so beautiful to be able to use your hands and make things. And it also, I think, speaks to as we see higher rates of youth that have ADHD, that have issues where they don't want to sit down in front of a screen, especially with last year when schools often were not in and and kids had to look at screens all the time. The trades really speaks to there is an intrinsic value with letting people move around, that people learn when their bodies move. And just Mm -hmm. really thinking about it's critical to play to people's strengths. And the trades do that. It plays to strengths of different learning styles, different ways of thinking, innovation that just maybe doesn't come for some people while sitting down in front of a computer. So I think there is a lot of stigma. So when I work in a shop and a car comes in and it has innumerable problems that are, you have to kind of separate, okay, here's an engine problem. Here's an issue with their brakes. Here's an issue with their transmission. And to be able to see myself and my coworkers be able to part and parcel these issues out, discern where the electrical issue is coming in versus where the mechanical issue is coming in is beautiful and it's brilliant. And I really wish that folks could get kind of this bird's eye view into the trades that what people are actually doing is solving very complex problems, Mm -hmm. building complex, you know, building buildings. And so I think the trades does need a bit of a highlight in terms of this is what it actually means. It actually means you're doing complex equations and problem solving. And it feels so gratifying to have a problem come in, be able to think through it, diagnose it and fix it. It's a very gratifying kind of process of this came in. I was able to accomplish it during this day. And then I end my day. So it's really, I think the trades do need a bit more of a kind of highlight and a little glamour put on it maybe. (laughs) So folks are a little more availed of this is the trades is complex math. It's complex reading. It's complex problem solving. It's analytical, but it's just not framed that way. And so it's where we need a little revamp. And I will say that I think the LGBTQ folks can definitely help with that because as we know, you know, you can make anything beautiful. You can bring pride and love and power and song and dance to anything. And it's, and it's really what I think queering the trades is a big part of what we're trying to do. And by having saying we need more LGBTQ folks in the trades, what we're ultimately doing is saying 
the trades are going to have to change. There's a lack of dearth of workers and the trades need more workers. And LGBTQ folks in the trades will help shift the dynamic of misogyny that's intrinsic in it, racism, and these issues that really create an unsafe space for many queer folks in the trades. By virtue of existing in the trades, we shift it. Mm-hmm. We shift the gender dynamics. We shift the misogyny. We say, you can be a strong femme woman in the trades. You can be non-binary and just as hard working as everybody else. You can, and that we don't want these misogynistic environments. So mm-hmm. many, the trade culture that is so entrenched with a lot of bigotry, people don't want to work there. Even cis het men mm-hmm. who perpetrate it. Everybody wants a safer workspace. And that's what I think queers in the trades can really do. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. You touched on it a little bit, but why, like, if you're, what's your elevator pitch for why LGBTQ folks should get into trades? Yeah, I would say be, it's really a lot about economic justice. It's about having a job that is reliable, that has benefits, that has access to climbing the ladder, getting into management. There's a lot of different avenues in the trades where people can grow and really kind of shift the trade. So people can go into union management. They can go into management and being a foreman in their actual trade. And so there's a lot of areas where people can go and grow. I think there's a lot of skill sets available to folks when they enter the trades from, you know, the actual trade itself to, do you want to learn about negotiating with your union? Do you want to learn about managing people? Do you want like the ability to grow and elevate your career is is absolutely there in the trades. It also avails people a lot of power to start a small business. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of LGBTQ trade workers who, like myself, were in the trades and found that working for an employer has limitations, has cultural issues. There's lots of reasons that working for an employer in the trades can be frustrating. And once you learn a trade and you master it, you can absolutely start your own small business Mm -hmm. and run it the way you want to run it. So I think that for queers, it's it's job security, it's benefits, it's union support, it's kind of the ability to grow and develop new skills and flexibility also in the workplace. If you don't like this workplace and you're a hard worker, you know your trade, you can also move to other companies. And it it avails you with the leverage to be able to pick and choose where do you want to be. I think you bring up a good point that oftentimes the trades are portable, right? If I am in construction or I am a mechanic or I am in one of the trades, it's highly likely that I could go to almost any city or town and find a way to either work for someone else or start my own shop or or business there. But we know that 
for a lot of folks, it's kind of, it comes down to the Benjamins. It's all about the money, right? I, I think yep. that maybe that's where it starts for a lot of folks. And I think maybe that's maybe where some of the stigma is too, right? That there's a, a huge wage gap between quote unquote professionals and folks who are listening. I just did air quotes for the, the, the uh, professionals uh, and the trades, right? So maybe can you talk about what we are seeing out there right now for folks in the trades and where they're starting off with salaries that maybe people may not be familiar with? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about it. I think the biggest issue when it comes to salaries and the trades that I think is powerful is the apprenticeship model. The model that you go through school and you work and you learn while you work. And so it avails people to not incur the student loan debt. That Mm -hmm. to me is a huge part of it. This is a model I think, yeah, we should all really look towards and shift towards in a lot of ways that you learn on the job, you get paid on the job and develop skills on the job. So I think first and foremost, that apprenticeship model is so critical. And people entering apprenticeships make anywhere from $18 an hour to $27 an hour, depending on the various trade. And you can often get bonuses. For example, when I was an apprentice mechanic, I made bonuses off of everything I did. And my foreman, the person who was my mentor, also made money off of my success. And so it's a real incentivizing program that the better you do, the more collaborative you work with your foreman or with your mentor often can avail both parties with economic benefits. And so that is the first and foremost, I think, critical part of the trades is apprenticeship is the way to go. We need to train people and pay people to learn. And then once people get in the trades, absolutely, you have salaries that are, you know, in the low 70s is is a kind of entry level and people really go up from there and you get pensions, benefits, 401k, the stuff that we just don't see in so many service industries, contract positions, like these things that help folks throughout their whole life are falling away in so many industries. Whereas in the trades still hold that people need to have retirement. You can't actually use your body this hard until the day you die, you have to be able to retire. You have to be able to do something else because your body does start to break down. And so I think that the trades are really still holding workers need access to benefits. They need access to 401k. They need access to strong health care. So those, I think the salary is a big issue. You definitely can make a great salary, but the other workplace protections that are still in place in the trades are what I think really makes it a strong career at this point. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. Yeah, this is why I love this model. Going to college and graduating with fifty dollars to $250,000 in student loan debt is restrictive. It limits your options once you graduate, where you can go, where you can live, what you can do the type of lifestyle that you can have. We've sort of created this sort of perversion of the benefits of going to college and getting the professional or stereotypical career or or job. Whereas 
by getting into trades, one, the cost of the education isn't as restrictive. And much of that is being subsidized if when you get into the apprenticeship, 15 or would you say 17 to 25, $27 an hour from an apprenticeship. There are people who have a full-time job who would love to get paid $25 an hour and they aren't. And many of those people have gone to college, but then also, I think there's there's always this perception of, of the plumber or the mechanic, they can't be earning that much money. But you said that the sort of the starting salary is 70000 And I know that the, the happiness salary is, is up for debate right now, but that's been pretty consistently for decades, been about $75,000. So you're starting out with your first job and you're already making just $5,000 shy of the happiness salary. That's a huge opportunity. But then to your point, it, the sky's the limit, right? I mean, there are there, especially if yeah. you're going to start your own business, you could be earning, you know, multiple six figures by doing your apprentice by, by doing your trades job. Absolutely, absolutely, and also, of course, when you, for people that are interested in starting their own business, that's its own education <laughs> entirely as yeah. to what it takes to run a business, which I find very interesting, and I love. I've started a couple different businesses. And I find it to, you learn all sides of it. You learn from insurance to licensing, to payroll, to taxes. And so I think that, yeah, the trades really avail folks of a lot of different options. You can just do that kind of apprenticeship, get paid well, go home route, or you can grow in the company or you can start your own. So it has a lot of flexibility that I think people don't necessarily recognize all the time about the trades. Yeah. And I think another great opportunity with the trades is similar to the parallel to what we're seeing in financial services and financial planning in that all of these baby boomers are dying. There's already a dearth, like you said, of trades workers as well as financial planners. And then there's going to be an even bigger dearth because they're, all these boomers are retiring and now after the pandemic, it seems like they're retiring even more quickly. So the law of supply and demand sh- says that if there's all these jobs that need to be filled, um, it's a great opportunity for LGBTQ folks to go right in there and say, we'll, we'll take these opportunities and we'll glam them up and we'll start earning six figures ourselves each. Absolutely. Yeah. And really shifting the industry. And what I often say for you know, folks that are anxious about the trades culture, is, you know, we absolutely will go in there and change it. And employers are going to be forced to change because demographics of the United States are rapidly changing. We know that by 2042, white people will no longer be the majority. And the rates of youth that are coming out as queer, non-binary, transgender are just going up and up. And I think Mm -hmm. that really speaks to representation and language and, and the internet and pe- and youth being able to see themselves and say, I am beautiful. This is who I am. And so as the United States demographics change, the trades are going to have to change. The trades are a very integral part of the United States economy. And to adapt and learn and, and be a part of the economy and ongoing, they're going to have to create inclusivity. And it'll be one way or another. It'll either be which we see a lot of employers working towards DEI. We see a lot of employers approaching us saying, we want training, we want best practices for hiring LGBTQ workers. A lot of employers really do want to change. And the ones that don't, our anti-discrimination laws are getting stronger and stronger. And 
People deserve to be in the trades and LGBTQ people should be in the trades. And if the employer won't change, then they should access the rights that they have in this country in terms of filing a complaint with the EEOC, Human Rights Commission, or seeking an attorney. I always hope they're going to change willingly, but Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering, are you seeing some trades evolve more quickly than others right now? Are there some that are, you know, more queer than than others? (laughs) It's true. There actually are. We I see a lot of electricians, electrician unions approach us about getting training. The industry is known to be a little less misogynistic, the specific electrical and electricians union. And we also see construction really trying to change. I think it's really the need for workers is first and foremost. But that's where we're getting a lot of our kind of folks are interested in how do we get more workers? How do we become more inclusive? I think, unfortunately, we see a lot of misogyny very entrenched. And for example, boiler makers and iron workers, the culture is just so entrenched and kind of archetypes of masculinity, misogyny, it can be much more difficult to kind of break through. But we absolutely have members of Reckoning Trade Project who are iron workers, who are out trans women being iron workers, which is an incredible, incredible thing at this point. It's really speaks to the power and beauty of queer and trans folks, I think, to endure in these situations and workplaces that are very hostile, but say, I absolutely deserve to be here. I'm going to be out loud and proud. You know, one of the things I think you're maybe hitting at a little bit is that there is the potential for a little bit of fear, or maybe even a lot of fear, right? But think back to the way the country was in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even in the early 90s, how the country was towards LGBT folks. There was a lot of fear and a lot more, I think the community had a lot more worry about the ability to protect itself. Today, we're fortunate that we have teachers and we have administration and laws and all those kinds of protections that we can turn to. It's going back to, do we have the courage that folks back then had the folks that we are all fortunate to be on their shoulders and all the changes that they that they brought about the privileges that we have today. Do we want to be that kind of person for these industries? Can we be that kind of person for these industries going into the industries and saying activism isn't just sitting at a nonprofit and making phone calls or going out and providing services to folks in the LGBT or posting on Twitter. That's not activism, right? Activism (laughs) also can be, I'm going to be the first, or I'm going to be the one of the, the first group of people that actually starts changing an industry that starts changing the thinking of, like you said, misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic individuals. And sometimes all it takes is they insert that person or persons into that environment and they start to hear and see stories that they didn't know existed and it changes their hearts and minds by just being there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that it's a pretty significant consensus that the interpersonal relationships do so much to shift 
bigotry and hatred. And as we increase representation in the trades, you automatically are shifting the trades by saying the person I work next to every day just happens to be a gay man is going to change how someone perceives gay people. Mm -hmm. And to say the best mechanic I ever met was a woman is going to change how people perceive gender roles and achievements and abilities. So I think that, you know, for LGBTQ people throughout history, just existing has been activism. It is pushing and saying, I deserve the right to be here. I deserve the right to be who I am, how I need to be. And so really getting into the trades is a form of activism. It's a form of, and, you know, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that a lot of folks can't be out in the trades. Like we have very little data about LGBTQ folks in the trades because A, it's not being funded. People aren't interested in this topic enough to put the funding there. But also people have to navigate their own safety in the trades in terms of their identity, their gender identity, their sexual orientation. So I'm not to saying that everybody has to be out in the trades, but I think just being in the trades as an LGBTQ person, you're really changing and shifting the culture as a whole. Sure. With that, obviously the the demand or the need for more people in the trades is going to help evolve it to be more LGBTQ, more inclusive uh, and accepting. Uh, What other resources or tools are there for people who you know, they might have carved out a comfortable life for themselves. They don't like their salary. They don't like where they work. Uh, they would love to have another opportunity. What kind of uh, support systems would that LGBTQ person have if they decide to go down the path of getting into the trades? Yeah, there's. it's interesting. I think there's a lot of, you have to still be pretty creative in finding those outlets for support if you're LGBTQ mm-hmm. and interested in the trades. And that is everything from looking at, there's a lot of non-traditional employment pre-apprenticeship programs out there now. And granted, they often tend to be in larger cities, but still non-traditional employment for women. There's an organization in Seattle. There's one in New York. And those are really looking towards, they have teachers that identify as female, LGBTQ. So trying to kind of insulate yourself into a space that is already inclusive and fighting for inclusivity is a good way. Also making connections with nonprofits like Reckoning Trade Project. We have a monthly affinity group meeting where LGBTQ trade workers come and just talk about what's happening. So trying to build that community is another way to do it. And there's a lot of, there's Pride at Work, which is an organization that's longstanding been trying to advocate for LGBTQ people in the trades. So finding the nonprofits, also seeking out mentors, seeking out folks that are in the trades and saying, how'd you get into this? What did you do? And there's a lot of trades fairs. There's a lot of focus on trying to get people in the trades, increase apprenticeships. There's funding from the federal government. And so looking for those trades fairs, going and talking to employers and saying, you know, what values do you hold? Do you have any diversity? Do you have representation racially with sexual orientation, gender identity? And starting to have those conversations even, you start to understand whether the employer is interested in these issues. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that finding a safe place 
that you want to start an apprenticeship program is similar in traditional education, it's worth the move. If you can find a place that you want to grow and develop with a company that you think matches your values, it's worth going and moving to where you can find that community and that support. Sure. I'm curious, are you seeing noticeable reduction in discrimination and increase in inclusion in the trades industries with the Supreme Court's decision to add worker protection for LGBTQ folks back in 2020? That's kind of difficult. I would say yes in some regards. And I think that the Black Lives Matter movement has really pushed that forward as well, saying that, you know, just not paying attention to what's going on in the culture is no longer acceptable. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, especially when it comes to gender identity and sexual orientation in the trades, a lot of the culture is still really flagrant with its homophobia and transphobia, unfortunately. And really understanding how the Bostock opinion, which gave worker protections to trans and gay folks, it it hasn't been, we haven't seen the precedent yet. We haven't seen the cases necessarily come down the line that say, you know, continually misgendering someone is discrimination. So I think it's a little slow, but it's happening. I think the culture of the United States is going to shift the trades more quickly than the law necessarily, but Mm -hmm. that we have legal protections is absolutely going to help bolster the trades to be more inclusive. Yeah. It does always seem to take some time for the culture to catch up with the law. But we were just wondering if after, you know, we're almost two years into it now, we were wondering if that's starting to actually, we're starting to see those results yet. (laughs) A little bit. I I will say, I think it's, it's a little slow. We talked to a lot of companies about having a gender policy, about saying, you know, what is your policy, workplace policy for if someone is transgender? What bathroom do they get to use? What is HR going to do with their birth name versus their legal name or their chosen name? And kind of really trying to put in the ear of the trades, you need to get ahead of these issues with having workplace policies, just like you have anti-discrimination policies. And they need to be specific because this gender identity discrimination looks different than other forms of discrimination. And Mm -hmm. employers really are having a hard time with, you know, how do I discern what is a joke and what is discrimination when it comes to gender identity? And so we're really pushing for have those policies and those discussions before it becomes an HR issue. Absolutely. So th- would that be maybe the place that someone who is looking to go into the trades, who is looking for an employer, would that be one of the places where they could start by what you know checking out a prospective employer and saying what are your what are your policies around this as kind of a way to make sure that they're they're going into a company that potentially could be supportive of them if there is an issue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is a good way to check in with the company. Another way is to ask about their healthcare and what do they have trans inclusive healthcare? Do they have healthcare that allows for a partner that you're not married to or living with? Does it allow for adopted children to get benefits? So thinking about the creative ways that queers have made families and is that reflected in their healthcare? Is one way that I have found to say, are they thinking about this? Has anybody brought this to their intention? 
when at times, you know, the idea of a gender policy, a gender identity policy is still kind of a mythical creature to a lot of trades employers. So, you know, finding creative ways to ask about what is their level of DEI, what is their level of addressing on the job issues, talking to the HR, do they avail any employees of any trainings for DEI work, managers, foremen, that kind of thing. And then I would also say, so you have the employer in the workplace and then you have the union. And unions, of course, are powerful and amazing, but also like anything in the United States have a history of discrimination and exclusion. And so, you know, if someone isn't making inroads with their employer, sometimes they can make inroads with unions who are often have people that are passionate about workers' rights and saying this needs to extend to LGBTQ folks. Mm -hmm. These worker rights need to recognize that gender identity impacts everybody. What is my union doing to support this? So I think that in the trades, you have to be creative, innovative, and willing to push the envelope. Yeah, you know, it's interesting as you're talking, I'm, I'm seeing so many parallels to the financial services industry. David and I are old enough to remember when diversity and inclusion was starting to be talked about, but that discussion was at that time was, was being led initially by cis straight white men. It sounds like with the trades industry, especially because there's a need for so many workers, it's almost like it's a perfect time to join an industry because there's such a, like we need workers so desperately that these employers are probably more flexible or amenable to, to adapting than ever before. If you're an LGBTQ person who's comfortable taking a lead saying, okay, let me help guide the way, what diversity and inclusion actually looks like in this industry. Let me lead this union, or at least be able to lead the leaders of this union to say, this is how you reduce transphobia. This is how you make sure women feel included. This is how you make sure LGBTQ folks feel like they have a seat here because because I'm an LGBTQ person and I can help you guide that discussion. Absolutely. I think that's a really significant leverage point for a lot of LGBTQ folks. Like, So the trades are so hungry for workers and also understand that the culture is shifting and don't know where to go. Don't know where to find this information. What do I, what is a pronoun? Why would I even want to talk about it? And so, yes, I think bringing those issues to employers and saying, here's a couple resources or I'm willing to start an affinity group. Employers want that. They want inclusivity because they want workers. It's a little bit, to me, a bit of, you know, they are just so pressed for workers that this is a point we can say, you have to adapt to this. Here's resources. Yeah. Let's make this an employer where people want to come to. If you want to survive, you have to adapt. It's like we were all inspired by Kinky Boots, right? And the only reason that, that shoe company is still around, <laughs> <laughs> the same thing can happen for, for trades. <laughs> you were going to say something more serious. <laughs> no, it wasn't necessarily more serious, but I'm wondering, you know, when I think about the trades, I oftentimes think of relatively small companies, right? These are companies that are maybe 10 employees or less. And are there larger companies? I know that in, in the past, queer folks have found safety in numbers, right? We go to some of these large, huge organizations, we go to some of these huge companies, partly because we know that they have 
an LGBT organization because they've gotten a hundred on the HRC index. They're doing things in the community, right? It's a little easier to see that when you have a company that has 1,500 or 10,000 employees in one location. And of course, their LGBT group has 100, 200, 300 people in it. Is there maybe a place where folks who are interested in looking for companies in their local area that they may find that they are already doing something? Are there organizations that they are connecting with that some of these more inclusive employers, you know, maybe a, an organization that only has 10 people, but two of the people there are queer. And because of that, they are connected to a particular association or organization. Yeah, it really varies quite a bit by region and area. But there are like in the Pacific Northwest, you can get certified as an LGBTQ company, owned company. And so you have to search, but there are the resources out there to say, you know, where can I find support? Where can I find community? Even if I'm in a small, if I have a small employer or where do I find inclusive employers? And I think that the employers that are working to be inclusive are, are putting their flags high. They are trying to be like, we are trying to make a change. Again, up here in the Pacific Northwest, we have Sillon Construction that are working very hard to increase diversity and inclusion and really partnering with community organizations saying, what can we do to support you? So it takes a bit of digging, I will say. It takes a bit of work, but people are starting to put out there, yes, we are inclusive. We want to find other companies that are inclusive. We have a partnership with an organization called Matriarchy Build, and they are putting out a website where people can connect with other trade workers about how do I fix my day-to-day plumbing issue. And they're featuring women and LGBTQ folks and trade workers of color. So the conversations are happening and it's and you just have to really go out and search for it. But a lot of unions are also working towards it as well. So it's it's a bit of digging, but yes, it is out there and, and you can find it. So that's great. So then I'm wondering to myself, so I do want to make a career move, but I haven't ever really thought of getting into the trades before. Where do I start? How do I maybe find out what I might be interested in or good at? And then how do I actually get into that then? So there's a number of different ways. I think a big one is trades fairs. So there's, you know, these events that are happening all the time, all over the country where employers come together and say, this is why you should get into this trade. You get a bunch of different swag. You usually have a drink or two and it's fun. It's, it's interesting to see the different folks that are in the different trades and the different companies. So trades fair are a good way. Pre-apprenticeship training programs Often, as I said, the non-traditional pre-apprenticeship training programs are growing. So looking for those in your area. Also finding mentors. If you have a plumber come into your house, ask, how'd you get into it? Is there a way I can find out more information? Also vocational schools obviously are a good route. I think that folks should really think about what trade do they want to get into and how can they get some exposure to it? How can they figure out what it's actually like? I think going to vocational schools, walking around, talking to folks that are in the industry, 
And then in terms of you can also do it through unions. If you're interested in a particular trade that has a strong union, Google carpentry union in Seattle, Washington, and then start to explore it that way as well. See what information can you gather from unions and then look for community nonprofits like Reckoning Trade Project. There's the LGBTQ Workers Center out of Chicago. There's Pride at Work. There's a lot of different nonprofits that are trying to increase the representation. So start reaching out and asking folks, what do I do? Who can I talk to? Do you have a connection I can make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think this is really an important thing for, for the queer community to be thinking about right now. We saw the numbers after the pandemic or during the pandemic, how many folks in the LGBT community were either laid off or furloughed or had their their hours cut. And for, I think it was 64% of LGBT folks had someone in their household that either lost a job, was furloughed or, or lost hours. And I think that speaks to how many of us were in, are in jobs that may be quick to let people go when things like the pandemic happen, or it just speaks to maybe the, the insecurity in those kinds of jobs. And if you're looking, if, you're, if you were working in a service industry job that was no longer able to operate, you know, whether it was a, working in a bar or a restaurant or hospitality or things like that, you may not find yourself wanting to go sit in a cubicle or go work in an office, or like we talked about earlier, the way that your brain works may not be the kind of person that is ready to sit in front of a computer all day long, right? This is a huge opportunity for you to shift to something that, as you've brought out, has benefits, has retirement, has unionized support, all of those kinds of things that are most likely were missing in your previous job. And part of the reason why it was maybe so easy for them to let you go are not here. They have all of the the things that you want in a little bit more of a secure job that isn't sitting in front of a computer or in an office all day long. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of folks I think of in the service industry are often trying to support themselves while they engage in a creative role. So as an artist, as in theater. And I think that the trades can still avail folks the opportunity to be in the trades and have creative outlets and have other outlets, other, you know, ways they want to approach life. And I think that that's something that I am interested in talking more about is how can the trades encompass the diverse community that we have, everything from folks who are artists on the side or artists that are trying to make it while be employed and pay their bills to folks that have children. And how can we make the trades more accepting and accessible for folks with children? Mm -hmm. The trades often start very early. Many positions start at six o'clock in the morning. What do you do with your children during that time? So these are some things that I also think you know, the trades are a powerful route, but they also need to be pushed and changed and made to be accessible and adaptable as many of the service industry jobs do, but don't give us the benefits we need. So I would encourage folks, you know, get in the trades, get involved and know that we have to push the trades to meet the needs of our community. 
as we have done in, in many other industries. But it's going to be something that will take work and avail you of a lot of benefits as well. Yeah. And I think a little bit more altruistically, I think, yes, we're talking about ways that you can find a new career and make more money and have more job security and, and benefits, hopefully. But there's a housing crisis right now. And part of the reason why there's a housing crisis right now is because construction can't keep up with the demand. You can help expedite that demand and hopefully provide more people more affordable housing. Not that you're going to be the sole solution to that, but that it shows one of the problems that the construction industry has is just doesn't have enough people, can't keep up with the demand, and now people are, are homeless or can't afford to live in the homes that do exist. And so you can maybe help you know, fix some of that. So this has all been great, very inspiring. And I, I, you know, Dave and I are completely on board with, board with your message. I hope that our listeners are receptive enough and that I hope our, listen, our listeners uh, and viewers are willing to share this with the LGBTQ folks that they're connected to, especially younger folks who are thinking about what their what career opportunities that they have. And everybody's so myopically focused on, on college and university mm-hmm. and going down that path. And yeah, yes, that's great. There's a lot of opportunity there, but there are a lot of encumbrances there too. And there are other options. And I think that's what you're presenting to folks. So with that, where can our listeners uh, find more about you, find more support systems to help them sort of uh, decide which industries to get in and, and ultimately feel like they have a voice and a position in, in trades? Yeah, absolutely. So Reckoning Trade Project, we have a website, reckoningtradeproject.org. So have a Facebook presence, Instagram presence. We're very active on social media from just everything of talking about what we're doing to also providing information about workers' rights, about transitioning on the job. So our platform provides a lot of information for folks that are interested. We also have strong connections to folks that are in the trades and can connect people with someone they want to talk to, find out more about it. So yeah, I would say on social media, folks can find us at our website. And then of course, our email Info at reckoningtradeproject.org is another way that folks can get a hold of us. And make sure that you're subscribed to the email, podcast email. So we'll send that out in the show notes. Exactly. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you, you coming on and um, taking this charge for the community because as you positioned, it's a great opportunity, uh, not only for the trades industry, um, but for the LGBTQ community. And uh, I love that what you're doing for everybody. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I think that this kind of exposing folks to different ideas, getting on different podcasts, you know, we all are so connected in in what we care about, which is to be open and proud and love who we want to love and connecting in this way, I think is very powerful. So I really appreciate you having me on and highlighting the work we're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Morgan, for bringing this topic to ours and the queer community's attention. Getting more LGBTQ folks into trades is a possible solution for less student loan debt, more job security, and better wages. And to you, our listeners, thank you again for listening to another episode of the podcast. Here's your queer money takeaway from this episode. Even for open-minded people, it can be hard to change our established thinking. So we ask that you please give Morgan's message an honest consideration for how getting into a trade may help you or an LGBTQ person you love. Then visit ReckoningTradeProject.org for more information and support.
Join us next week when we talk about the benefits of self-advocacy when it comes to your money. It's an empowering discussion we have with Darcy of We Want Guac. Thank you and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.